Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show, 10 years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Listen, folks, I am Mike Hewitt. Co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. Listen, guys, I don't have on the list this uh, Omar circumstance, uh, her situation, but I want to start there real briefly. So she gets booted off the Foreign Affairs Committee, um, and, of course, Democrats immediately yell racism, but I'm having a tough time understanding how they can call racism when 29 of their own uh, members of their own Democrat caucus voted with Republicans to remove her from the Foreign Affairs Committee. How does that work, either one of you? I don't know what... Democrats think the definition of racism even is, though. I, I think the new definition of racism, Miles, is that if they don't agree with you, you're racist. And by yeah, the way, exactly. the, the circumstance where the five black police officers beat up the person, they're now they're now Al, Al Sharpton, et cetera, are now calling that racism. And I don't understand that either. I mean, there were five black police officers and a black man. And somehow they can connotate that as racism. So that word does not mean what the Webster's Dictionary or our history says it means anymore. It, it just means we don't agree with you, so you're racist. All I can understand. I'm, I'd love, can you help correct us? You're part of the younger generation. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that uh, the word racism is had the same effect from the 1960s and and moving back into history, even in my lifetime. Anytime you disagree with somebody or um, reprimand or, you know, correct someone that looks different than you, the first term that comes to mind is racism. It's not actually their action or as a human being. I got to tell you, Lud, and Miles, correct me if I'm wrong, but the world that the time and the era that Miles and I grew up in, to use the term racist or racism was a big deal. Um, yeah. it, 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 I mean, if you were called a racist, you had to do some soul searching. It was a big deal. And now it isn't. Now you hear every day, if you read the news every day, you'll see that word over and over and over again. It just doesn't have the same meaning to it. Miles was well, in the it, same era. And, and, is, that, is that true? And it, it uh, goes right along with the, the definition of white supremacist. That has been burned out, too. Have you ever watched, and I don't want to take us down this path too far, but do either one of you guys watch episodes of Law & Order? Everyone's got to understand I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the panhandle of Florida. I'm going to talk about that today, by the way. And so we're watching very limited TV, and it provides a lot of local coverage when I say local, it's NBC, ABC, et cetera. And so um, back was sitting watching Law & Order, and I've not watched Law & Order in a decade. I didn't even know they were still airing it. But I, <laughs> this week we watched an episode. My wife and I watched an episode. Of course, it, it, it was all wrapped around some court procedures as often. But they were talking about classic conservative conversation. Not extremist stuff, not racist stuff, just normal language, pro-life, 
as an example, was what is a divisive, racist, mean-spirited, rotten, evil tone pro-life. I'm going, wait a minute, how do I, how do I make that transfer? How does pro-life, forget that we might not agree, how do we take a concept that somewhere near half of America agrees with and call it extremism and racism, et cetera? I, I just don't, that whole, that whole series now is filled, chock full of attacks on conservative America, who used to be, by the way, a lot of the folks that actually watched Law and Order. I, I just, holy smokes, are they deeply invested in trying to do something negative to half of America? That's my interpretation of it. Well, Mike, listen, one of the things yeah. I could not do during the Obama era was vocally disagree with him. Because if I did, the first thing in the first comment said to me is because he's black. I'm like, no. There's nothing to do with him being black. I don't like the policy he just put right. in place. That's what yep. the and and with the fear of being called a racist, you tend to stay quiet because you don't want to be labeled that when it's not what you are. But it's so powerful right. of a word and brings so much hurt to some people that it can really demoralize the person who's being called that to to feel like nothing and less respected by everybody. So it's a word that people try to avoid <clears throat> speaking up against things because they don't want to be called it. And this is a you better tactic in that. Lud, I get that, Lud, and, and I think Miles and I probably both agree with you. But the difference is, is that you're actually describing what Miles and I believe the word is. But when it's used 50 times a day, it just doesn't have that kind of meaning anymore. It's just like is and was. They've so right. used it that you go, oh, yawn. I mean, like the police officers being called a racist, you just go, come on. I don't know what they're asking. I am not defending them, by the way. But the idea that the racist card can be used in that circumstance is just mind-numbing. Mind Listen, guys, let's, let's jump back on the list. I'm reading Putin is preparing massive assault of 500,000 men that he's planning on marching on two fronts into Ukraine. And so I'm, I'm asking, well, by the way, Ukraine, Ukraine believes that the exact date of that will be on February 24th of 23, and their belief is that he's celebrating the anniversary of his aggression in Ukraine um, with this big blitz. And, and that's the word they use, which I've got a kick out of, uh, with his blitz, because this guy says he's anti-Nazi, but, man, he looks a lot like a Nazi to me, hating to loosely throw around that word um, like the left does. Miles, what's your opinion of that? Is this is that spell the end for Ukraine, or is this more of of the same? I, I Actually, when I was reading that, I thought this is more propaganda coming out so that they can justify sending more armaments. <laughs> you uh, you thought the same thing I did. And folks, if you could read my show notes, you'd get a kick out of it because, you know, I'm I'm reading first off about the 500,000 men, and then I immediately buttressed that with an article from uh, Reuters.com about Ukraine's new weapon will force a Russian shift. Uh, to me, I interpreted this as a lot of 
big military industrial complex people, hating to use that cliche, but a lot of folks making a lot of money. So that's that's how I settled this. Is this one of those stories you think that we're hearing over here that may not be true? Uh, you mean like clickbait? Yeah, no, like we, we've talked about the news narrative being different where the Russians are told one thing, we're told another, that this is one of those stories that's being put out so that we're in support of all this tank movement and stuff? Yeah. Well, I, listen, listen, I agree with you. Uh, and, Miles, you can, you can fine-tune it, but I think the Ukrainian people and the Russian people and us and maybe Europe on a fourth uh, uh, level, I think all of us are getting absolutely different uh, views and spin on the story. Exactly. Yep. Um, and that, I don't think I, I don't and I don't think any side, side is telling the truth. I agree with that. Well, Absolutely no. agree with that. Every side has an agenda, so they're going to tell the narrative yeah. that fits their agenda. Yeah, a really smart fellow once told me there's too many players, and every one of them have their own agenda. Right. <laughs> Miles, well, wait a minute. I think I've heard those words before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. Well, and, listen, they, and they propagandize all of this. And it's, Mike, we it's, are going to cut you off there because we have to go to a break, and I'm pretty sure we're going to come back with Miles' favorite guy, Victor David Hansen. Yeah, yeah you're right. You are listening to The Mike Hewitt Show, and now your host, Mike Hewitt. Listen, Ludwig, you gave everybody a hint right as we went to break. Uh, Next topic up, guys, deep dive, especially for you, Miles Bauer. This is opinion from Victor Davis Hanson. You you tend to follow him often, so you probably had already read this article, but his title is Age of Decline. Uh, Now, my subtitle is Democrats Want a Single-Party System. We'll probably get to that throughout the show here and there. But Miles Bauer, is he correct? Is America in the age of decline? Well, the the way I in, I interpreted the article was that um, the Democrats are basically being run by people in their seventies and eighties, and right. and that it's. You know, and they they don't have a strong bench behind them. And it's and, you know, then then he went through a a list of some of the things where Joe would, you know, lose track or mumble or do do something strange. And he ended the article by saying, but I think um, Joe's safe because nobody wants to see. Kamala or Fetterman take over. Right. I'm glad right. you said that. I think that's I think that's exactly true. And I'll tell you an interesting point to go along with that. Um, for, first off, one of the things that I, I published these 60-second features, and when I put them on TikTok or Facebook or wherever, I'll include images. And one of the images I stumbled across this week while preparing that piece um, was uh, one of those old, remember the Paisleys and the psychedelic flashes and 1960s uh, look. 
and the message was the 1960s are in control again. Um, and I think that's kind of what Victor Davis Hanson was getting at, that we're looking at policies now that if you do some Googling even, even if you want to get lied to, or go to DuckDuckGo.com if you want the truth, but you'll see a lot of the stuff that these old folks are doing is, is echoes from the 60s, where they're still turning the same page over over uh, and over again. But i got to tell you, I think that leads to decline. Um, but to your greater point, Miles, and then I'll, then I'll uh, give, give you guys an opportunity, but here in Michigan, where the Democrats really did an outstanding job for themselves, where they swept to power at what should have been a, a Republican victory, they've got a problem that's internal within our state house and and Senate. And by the way, even even with their statewide office holders, because they don't have a bench. So the minority Republican Party in the state house, I use this as an example, they now have more staff than the Democrat Party does, who's in majority. But the Democrats are looking around, and they've got nobody to put in those staff positions. Uh, and it goes to your point. We are absolutely dealing with people dragging the chains from the 1960s. Yeah, you know, though, I'm going to disagree here. I, I think with no, what you that guys... That would be so unusual, Ludwig. <laughs> I think with what you guys, and even myself, believe the Democratic Party is, is fading and transitioning into a different type more than it's going away. And there's no bench. I think the bench now isn't that Democrat from the 1960s. It's the social socialist Democrat, if you that's even a term, that's taking over the AOCs and the Omars and them. They're the bench. And I think that that bench isn't ready to play games yet, play ball, because we're not ready to take that on as America yet. That's yes, why their bench what, is weak. Like- Lud, I got to tell you though, where where I disagree with you, I don't think we even necessarily disagree. We're looking at two sides of the same coin, because to Miles's point, the people that are at the helm of the Democratic Party is not AOC. It's Biden. It's still Hillary Clinton to a certain degree. Most of the folks that are actually leading, Chucky Schemer, those folks are all 1960s leftovers. They just are. So now, to to your point, though, Lud. Uh, you do see folks coming up like AOC, but that part of the equation goes to a point Miles has been making for six years on the show, and that's that both parties are in the middle of going through a major transition. The first, I think your words were, Miles, the post, first post-World War II transition for both parties. Is that correct, Miles Bauer? Oh, yeah. And, you know, the the other phenomenon that 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 we're seeing now is we saw Tulsi Gabbard leave the Democrat Party and become an independent. Um, Cinema out in Arizona is contemplating it. Mansion in West West Virginia. So you you can see kind of the moderate wing is getting off of the train. Right. That was my whole point. They, they that are. is their bench. They are. But listen, but, but Miles, i got to stop you guys for a moment. To your exact point, the same thing is happening on the right. And so the old Republican Guard, and I think I'm part of that, at 62 years old, and I've been in party leadership now for pushing 20 years, uh, at least within the state of Michigan, 
uh, we're being swept out. And I say that word respectfully, by the way. But the new folks that are coming in, they've got a very, very different view than we do. Um, and and I've, I've watched that um, with, first off, frankly, with some, some chagrin. But what's buttressed me has been your point that both parties are going through transition. My fear, though, is that I'm not convinced that the voters are lined up with the fringe right or the fringe left. And I think that's going to spell some some troubled times ahead. So let me ask you this, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you a little riled up here. <laughs> Do you think our youth and our side are tired of watching us be berated, beat down, and not appear to fight back? And that's why... Bowling balls. Yeah, and that's right, why... Miles Bauer, throw bowling balls. Right. Do you think that's why, though, that the... They're like, all right, get out of the way, old guy. We're in the, we're in now. We're in for the so fight. You're correct. Miles is correct, but there's a different element because a, a lot of the folks that I'm seeing on grassroots uh, on the right are, uh, um, in fact, I had a a lengthy chat a few weeks ago with the new chair of one of the major county Republican parties in Michigan, and I said we've been infiltrated by Democrats, and he said. He paused for a long stare, and he finally replied by saying the Republican Party is now uh, a blue-collar workforce. And you know what? He's correct, and that's the change we're seeing. But the reason is not any of the things we're discussing. When, when, when President Obama decided to steer the party towards the 1% game, meaning build a coalition out of folks on the far left that had been left behind Rather than focusing on union uh, working class people, that left the working class people going, wait a minute, we're not signing on to all of these goofy, uh, you know, 1% causes that they're after. And they're transitioning to the Republican Party. So, that changes the Democrat Party, but it absolutely changes the Republican Party. Yeah, that's, so I think that kind of goes back to where my point is that. We're seeing a shift to almost two new parties completely, and it's almost going to be like it's the American Party or the Constitutionalist Party versus the Socialist Party, more than anything. Ready for you? Ready for a prediction? Yeah. I got one minute to give you a prediction. Somebody tell me I'm wrong, but I predict that at the other end of this bumpy road, we're going to have a multi-party system. Um, I, I just that's what I predict. I think the Democratic Party is going to find itself dealing with some stiff competition from a, another leftist party. And I think the right Republican Party is going to have essentially the same thing. Ludwig, we got 30 seconds. What say you, sir? No, I, I agree with you. I, I think that we do have two major parties on the ticket. But in reality, we have about six or seven within those two co- collectively. And knowing that you can't win, quote-unquote, without having the endorsement or the RRD behind your name has driven people into those parties, like a Rand Paul. I mean, he's running as a Republican, but he's a Libertarian. And Tulsi Gabbard is not a what we consider Democrat today. So, you know, a lot coming up here, guys. We're going get, to get out of here for a minute, and we will be right back in just a moment. The Enigma Report with Mike Hewitt. 
New York City Mayor Eric Adams pleads with the White House for assistance with the city's illegal alien crisis. But the Biden administration flatly believes it's doing enough to help Democrat cities like New York and D.C. So they're locked in a debate about what's best for Democrat cities rather than what's best for America. Is everything about partisanship to them? Are the lives of the nearly six million illegal aliens they've wrongfully drawn here inside the last two years of no concern? Are the overwhelmed social services, medical, and educational centers in cities all across America of no concern? Is it about votes, growing government, or population growth? Whatever the far left's true agenda is, is an enigma. But its negative impact on America and Americans is sadly obvious. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. And listen, guys, I I, I, I want to jump right into this one because I, I, it's it's a fairly good sized chunk of me trying to understand what they're doing. And I meant what I said in that piece very bluntly. They're entirely focused on blue cities, and I, I think that's abysmal, because every single city, even most of the smaller ones, by the way, in all of the states, including even Alaska, are being impacted by having injecting six million people. Six million people, folks, that's a lot of folks. If you if they had their own state, I think it was, it'd be the 23rd or 24th largest in the union of just the last two years of illegal immigrants had their own state. It'd be in the middle of the pack. That's mind-numbing to me. And by the way, this isn't against them. They're being hurt by this. Uh, I, Miles, help me out. You've been to New York a lot. I know we've touched on this topic, so I apologize. But it's getting worse, not better. And, the, and their arguments are entirely partisan rather than leadership and corrective action. Miles Bauer, what say you? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when when you think about what occurred in Georgia, previous to the midterms in uh, 22, Georgia was always kind of a purple state. It kind of waved, you know, back and forth. But you you can see as a result of uh, 22, they may well have flipped Georgia blue. Right. And and I think to a, a, a certain degree, I think this is exactly the same thing that they're trying to do to Texas and uh, other states like Tennessee and, and others. So, you know, it's it's very uh, possible. I don't, uh, on the other hand, though, agree that that's necessarily going, going to be the case. I, I do think that there are illegals coming up here that genuinely do want to work and genuinely do value family. Well, I agree with that. Most of them are are Catholic. We've touched on this before. Most yep. of them have faith. They're pro-life. They, they, they work very hard. I entirely agree with that. What I have a tough time with, and now I'm reading from the Congressional Research Services, uh, where they're, they're concerned about illegal immigrants having access to health care, then their next concern, unauthorized immigrants, is what they call them, eligibility for federal and state benefits. How do you, Benefit to me, by the way, let's just be clear about this. A benefit is what you get when you get a job 
and your employer pays you a wage and a benefit. Benefit is not an entitlement. Those are different. <laughs> they're different words. They're different concepts. But that's not how the left is being being conjoled and pushed by these advisory undocumented students. Let us switch to you. You're a professor at a state-funded university. Do you have illegal migrants receiving education at your university? Well, yeah. I don't. I, I well. I'm sure there is. Okay, so I had a student last semester who did come illegally. I know his brother's here legally, but his dad brought him over illegally. He went back, and I think he came back on a student visa. Okay. I, I can't so completely remember. I'm, I can't completely remember. He might have told me he, he was here originally illegally, and then he went back, and I think he came back legally to go to school. So now Listen, if the guy's doing it right, I got no problem with that. Yeah. Other than I don't want to pay for it. Yep. So I'm reading six things undocumented students need to know about college. Folks, listen, if they come here legally, when I say they, I mean anybody from anywhere in the world. If they come here legally and want to take part in the American experience, I'm good with that. But I don't want to pay for them. By the way, Am I being no, wrong? no, I'm not. And I think that when you use the word American experience, that's another word kind of like racism that is being torn apart. Because I think when you say it, and when I know I've said it, I'm not meaning giving up your cultural integrity. If you're a Mexican or a Dutchman or a Chinese person, still have that heritage. But I think what you mean by that American experience is when we talk about adapting, that you, you live the American way, but it doesn't mean you give up your culture. Is that true? It, 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 listen, for me it is. But I remember yeah. being 20 years old, 19 years old. I talked about this on the show a few years ago. Uh, where I worked for George S. May, uh, well, not that, uh, I'm sorry, uh, John Hancock is the insurance company, and my function back then was in Hamtramck, Michigan, to collect weekly insurance premiums. And I went from neighbor to neighbor to neighbor. I walked up and down blocks. All of those folks were Polish immigrants, first generation. They all had American flags in their yard. They made sure that their children were learning English. They mowed their lawn. They were just great people and by the way uh, as a little there's me walking a little young 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 guy they were gracious and invited me in for their their kind of food and it was a wonderful experience but they really wanted to be american they were proud to be here that's not what we're seeing necessarily with the folks that are coming here illegally not all of them but enough that it becomes uh, an event a problem yeah, so like you talk about the benefits in those types of things or the entitlements, uh, my mom's boyfriend, whatever, 20-plus years, he's from the Netherlands. He's lived here for over over 30 years now. He's 67. He's worked here, and he can't get Social Security. He's paid in. He can't get it unless he gets the documents from the Netherlands to prove that he's made enough working there. And that just seems crazy to me when we hear about the migrant that were shipped up to New York, and they won't leave the classy, ritzy hotel because the camps they've set up for them aren't nice enough. I, I got to tell you, I'm reading headlines. More grim border numbers suggest Team Biden has simply given up. Miles Bauer, what say you on this topic before we move on? I thought that was a pretty spooky number. I mean, when three-quarters of the country thinks we are on the wrong path, 
regardless yeah. if we are or are not, depending on everybody's opinion, if three three quarters of the population do not think things are going well, things will not go well. Uh, they they won't. And by the way, I'm gonna tie those two topics together, and then we can move on. But when everybody, when the folks that are hearing us think that, and they push back on me, they'll say, "No, Mike, we can afford helping these folks with these benefits." I get the argument, except for the federal government is broke. It is negative. It's $30-plus trillion in debt. We don't have money to pay for this. So then my position on it becomes, where does the money come from? And the answer is it comes with more printed fake fiat currency. And guess what that does, folks? Not only, not only are you paying, directly paying for these folks' life, home, health, insurance, all of it, not only are you paying for that, but you're paying the inflation that printing the fake fiat currency causes in paying for that. And imagine entirely paying for the 24th largest state in the union. That's what we're doing. And when you're broke, you're printing it, and it's causing inflation. It's one of a number of things that are, that are driving us. And my point in bringing that up right there, Miles, is that when you see that two-thirds of America, or whatever the number was, believe we're on the wrong path, most of that is driven by inflation. But nobody yeah. wants to pause and say, what's causing the inflation? Yeah, listen, right. when we come back, we can continue on that if you want, but I think we def- definitely got to talk about this father fighting for his nine-year-old. And how about those Biden documents? We'll be right back yeah. after these messages. You are listening to The Mike Hewitt Show with Mike Hewitt, Ludwig von Wiedendorski, and Miles Bauer. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. You know, Ludwig, it sounds silly even when Jared says it. <laughs> Ludwig von Wiedendorski. No. I can't say it without laughing at you. I'm I know. Sorry. you got to get back because two weeks ago he was laughing ah. when he said it, and now he said it straight face. I think you're, you're wearing, wearing off. Ah, uh, terrible. Listen, I want to jump into a couple big topics before we run out of run out of day. But this next one, I, I genuinely cannot intellectually understand the thinking in this topic. So I'm reading this, folks, the, the title of this article from AmericanWireNews.com. And by the way, yes, I did Google it because I wanted to confirm that this circumstance is actually taking place, and I found multiple sources on it. But here's the title. Father desperately tries to stop pediatrician wife from chemically castrating nine-year-old son. California law is against him. And I, my sub-note is state-sanctioned child abuse. Miles, you and I, tell me, we're the same age. I, I don't understand this. Does this make sense to you? No, I think um, you and I talked about this a couple months back about you know, if you want to take puberty blockers or you want to do all this body manipulation, I think you and I agreed that you can do all that once you reach the age of 18. I, but, I agree. Listen, the idea that a nine-year-old is, is emotionally or intellectually able to make a, 
to make this kind of profound decision is just craziness. And I know it's all cliche. We don't let them drive. They can't buy a cigarette. They can't buy a beer. They're not going to serve in the military because they're nine. Their brain is not developed yet. It is physically not developed. That And a pediatrician knows this. This lady knows more about this than we do collectively, and still she thinks it's a good idea to chemically castrate her son. Ludwig, you're younger. Let's play on your youth. Maybe this stuff makes sense to you. No, it, it doesn't, because I know, like you said, it's cliche, but like in Michigan, we raised the tax. Uh, if you want to use tobacco, you got to be 21 now. Can't even make that decision at 18. You can't own a buy a legal pistol from a firearms dealer to 21. I mean, so many important life decisions. Tattoos. I mean, how many people have gotten a tattoo and regretted it? I'm not one of them, Mike. But you know, maybe some of your daughters did. I don't know. Somebody did, and they regret it because they got it at 16. I I know kids whose parents went and took them and got them at 16. My ears still pierce when I was 15. I'm not putting an earring back in today. I mean, we're in a. You got an earring in. When I was 15, I did, not at 41. I, I gotta tell you, I, to my knowledge, none of my four daughters have tattoos. They all have earrings. I've had fellows angry with me before when I've pointed at their ears and go, "Wow, my daughter's got a set like that. You're so pretty." <laughs> but he's such a scary one, though. Mike. I don't wear dresses either, by the way. But you can't even get. A earring without your parents' consent until you're 18. So your mother gave you consent to put a hole in your in your ear? Well, yeah, it was like 96. It was the cool thing to do. Wear a gold hoop, Michael Jordan, it baby. Never been. I'm sorry, it ain't never been cool. But okay, I, I'm I'm. You were I old back then, I, still. I listen. I I get it. I understand. This stuff is foreign to me. But and I, and I've been teasing you clearly. So yeah, I apologize. No, but you know what's but crazy? The idea that we're comparing an ear piercing. To, to someone being chemically castrated at nine years old and state law supports it, I, I just think that's insanity. So when I refer back to Victor Davis Hanson, who maintains on several different articles in several different ways that our culture is in decline, I got to tell you, I agree with him. I'm sorry, I do. The number one game in the world for electronics games that the average age plays it between 9 and 12, just added a double mastectomy to it, and it's The Sims 4. You can actually have a woman character and then have a double mastectomy and change its gender in the game with scars and everything. That's the game. That's the game. And it's 9 to 12-year-olds are the average age. Now, Miles, you tell me, because I don't think that stuff is culturally sustainable. Oh, yeah, no, I... I, Agree. Although I do still stand stand by the idea that that we talked about many moons ago about eventually this this wokeness they will come back and eat their own. Yes, agree with that. Ab- absolutely agree with uh, with that. Um, listen, I, I want to touch on a couple other things before we run out of day. Biden revamped the Democratic primary faces final vote at the DNC convention. Obviously, it will pass. As I understand it, it moves their opening primary from Iowa to South Carolina. Um, and I'm reading an article from Reuters.com that pins the idea on two things. First off, that there is a, a higher density of uh, black Americans in South Carolina, and I haven't a clue 
what that what what that matters. But the other point that they make is they believe that South Carolina is who put uh, Joe Biden over the over the uh, the victory line. So I ask: Is it political payback time, or more democratic racism? Hating well, <laughs> to use their word. Is Miles? What say you, sir? I think uh, honestly, I think Biden is going to get primaried. I don't think he's going to be the the uh, candidate for for the Dems. Um, going going back to our earlier segment today about. Um, 75% of the of the country thinks we're in the wrong direction. Now, I I don't see how Biden survives a uh, the uh, primaries. I'm not convinced he'll actually run. I think he's still doing what he said he would do in the first place. When he was a candidate, he said he would not run for a second term. I'm not convinced he can mentally or physically run for a second term. Um, but I'm not convinced he's he's electable. Um, they they've got enough division, and 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 he's part of the reason. Goes to your point early on today, Miles, that several of the Democrat leadership are, have either left or are looking at leaving the party. So while they've got some victories, they've got some problems percolating. Just the media is not reporting it. Um, that's that's how I'm seeing it. Well, I can tell you, I'm I'm way different than both of you. I don't think he makes it out of the year. This, this, I, I, this, yeah, I don't, listen, I don't want to predict anything bad for him. No, no, I'm not I talking about bad for him bad and his him, health. But, I'm talking about, I'm not sure he makes it out of the first term legally. He's got a major problem on his hands. And mm-hmm. primary may not be the concern. Even coming out now and saying that that is Hunter's laptop. That's now been reported. Like there, there's some, There's something brewing. What do you think, Miles? Yeah, one, I don't think, even if these committees do make a referral to the Department of Justice, I think the um, Attorney General Garland's already, he's just going to put it into a uh, paper shredder where it is going to die. I, I agree with that. I even said this week when I saw the FBI was now looking through Joe Biden's um, beachside property, at home, he's got a beachfront home, um, and I, I laughed when I saw the FBI doing that because that's all fodder. They're not going to do anything with it. Listen, before we run out of time, I got to ask you guys, and I didn't mean to make this this episode today about racially offensive topics, but I'm I'm kind of stuck with the news that we get. So Republicans in the House of Representatives create a subcommittee that's titled Work and Welfare, and the title of this is. Democrats are gassed over racially offensive new title of Republican subcommittee, work and welfare. Uh, Miles, love somebody tell me how the title work and welfare is racially offensive. Oh, according to the to the Dems, it is. Yeah. Well, that's no more offensive, I, I racist than math. I think it's racial. I think it's racist that they make that connection. Oh yeah. That's what I think. Yep, Lud, we're down to a minute. What's your opinion, Ludwig? No, we th- we see a lot of things like that, like the uh, Equal Opportunity Employment Acts and those things. You know, uh, the Rooney Rule in the NFL. We have to interview one black candidate. Well, if you're already going to hire the white guy, why'd you hire? Why'd you even interview the black guy? And if you've been interviewed by seven so, teams and you're the black guy and you haven't been hired, now it looks like there's a problem with you. So it. it uh, 
Just, I get it. Listen, I'm I'm with Ben Franklin on this. He says I'm for doing good to the poor people, but I'm not for making them easy in poverty. And he wasn't talking racially at all. He was making a general statement. Folks, listen, we're almost out of time. i got to have you do me a favor. Uh, take a look at the Um Message me. Tell me if we're right, wrong. You wish we'd cover a different topic. Absolutely love hearing from you. Ludwig, Miles, Jared, thank you very much. But, folks, mostly thank you for tuning in. I genuinely, genuinely appreciate you. And next week I'll actually be at home where I belong in the studio talking. I'm looking forward to it. Love any final comments? No, I'll be glad to have you back next week. 